Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History bottle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we are breaking down the NFL Week 8 rotation. That's right. Week number eight in the National Football League Hallow weekend. So certainly hope everybody uh, parties it up responsibly and uh, enjoy some football in the process as we bring on our co-host, producer, jack of all trades, manages our podcast, Twitter, Alex Uplinger, to run through the NFL week eight rotation at Alex underscore up seven, manages our podcast, Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, good to have you back, my guy. How you doing? Greg, I'm doing great, buddy. I'm excited, but also sad. You know, you said week eight. We're, normally, this would be half the season, but, you know, different circumstances. So we have an extra week, but still a little bit upset. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think it really hits me until baseball ends and we're obviously getting there. But I think the idea is like baseball is like the summer sport that finishes in the fall. And then when the fall sport, you know, when that that sport is done, it's like, well, now the fall sports are getting close to the winter. And, oh, we only have seven weeks left of NFL. That's not good. So kind of sneaks up on you there because (laughs) October is such a loaded month with baseball playoffs and football and NHL, NBA starting. And then baseball ends and you realize, well, all the focus is on the NFL now. And 
oh, it's November already, and now we only have two months left of the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And have you been watching this playoff series? It's getting interesting now. You know, we saw yeah, the Braves so really take over. to get that victory I'm, tonight home, and now I'm they go. I'm kind of worried about my, uh, my future now that Charlie Morton is out with, you know, the right. fractured fractured leg but fibula or whatever it was yeah yeah it, it's definitely definitely fun to watch i'm definitely not rooting for houston especially after dusty baker just destroyed the nationals pitching with going <laughs> out there for hundreds of pitchers every fucking day on a lighter note i know you live with your girlfriend do you uh Will you partake in any Halloween parties? Do you have a makeshift costume that you're throwing together this weekend? <laughs> I don't. I kind of ditched the costume aspect. Just thankfully for her, I'm I'm sure our our new our new puppy will will wear a costume for sure. But hopefully, I don't get dragged into that. We'll see. You, you will you will socialize with people even if they have costumes on. You'll you'll be that guy that just doesn't wear a costume. Uh, yeah, for sure. As long as the dog's wearing a costume, I think that's appropriate. Okay. Well, I went out and, uh, not even sure what I'm doing over the weekend, but I wanted to, you know, I'm a big movie guy. I wanted to start. Well, you're going to, you're going to be watching, uh, Penn State, Ohio State at 730 on Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's a big one. Is that games at the, at the, at the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but uh, James Franklin was super confused this week. He thought it was at the horseshoe. And then, yeah, so he he was absolutely shook. I think he's a bit confused by all this talk about going to USC. So, he, he yeah, he's, he's super shook there's, right now. There's no way anybody, I mean, like, who wants this guy? Like, he sucks. I'm sorry. But, like, he just can't win these he's not a good coach i mean he sure no, he's not he's, he's a great go into the kitchen tables and sell kids on his program that's only... he's, a, he's a great recruit you have to you have to think this guy turned the penn state program around from what it was you know after all the sandusky bullshit and he actually turned that into a legitimate program year in and year out but to not have a backup quarterback, that was insane. They, you know, the quarterback goes down at Iowa, and then they just lose the fucking game. Like, they had no answer. They could not do anything. How don't you have a backup quarterback? He's not a good coach. He's a terrible in-game manager. I'm sure he's a great recruiter. I mean, he gets pretty good recruits year in and year out. But aside from that, yeah, no, James Franklin is. He's pretty fucking terrible. I also just want to add while we're on this topic, I know, Alex, you do not stop short of shitting on college football. And I'm going to allow you that opportunity right now with the disaster that was the new overtime rule with Penn State last week. Like, that was a disgrace with the two point conversion contest. How, how did that game? How did that game go under? That's yeah. absolutely disgusting. Like, Nine oversight. I honestly didn't even in. realize it. I didn't even realize they changed the rule until I was watching the game, and I just see them going for two every fucking play. Like, 
That is not the answer. That was so boring. That's, that's not the answer. Was great. Are they trying to to speed up the game? I assume that that's why they would do that. But man, nine overtimes is fun, but when you have to just go for two every single play, it it doesn't feel like nine overtimes. No, it gets stale. It's boring. It's like a shootout in hockey, you know, like no, which no one likes. No, well, I don't hate it, but I I completely understand it. Like it, or if it would be like a baseball game, just home run derby after the tenth inning. Like we'll play one real extra. <laughs> right, everyone everyone gets a hit. Everyone gets in at bat. Yeah, yeah. It definitely gets boring. So, but no, I uh, I did buy a Bushwood Country Club shirt. I got the Carl Spackler bucket hat. So, uh, gonna don that uh, and uh, just hopefully get a few good comments and make me feel good about myself. But no, I'm with you for the most part. Uh, Halloween, nothing more than just uh, an excuse to drink, which is what a lot of the holidays are for the most part. <laughs> I think most are. I, I would say college football is more of a joke than Halloween. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, let's get into the NFL rotation. And before we do, uh, there's some exciting podcast news is uh we like to think that there's enough people out there listening or uh that value what we do here with full slate that will uh latch on to us uh from a sponsor side and uh you have some exciting news on that front to share yeah i'm super excited we have the new sponsor betcha you can follow them on twitter at play betcha Give them a follow on Twitter. It's a super exciting DFS application. I've been having a lot of fun. I know Greg put in a parlay earlier today. I hit one the other week. I had Jamar Chase over 62.5 receiving yards. Joe Burrow over 270.5 passing yards. Aaron Rodgers over 259.5 passing yards i was paying four times your bet so i bet 45 dollars. i won 180 dollars. it's really exciting because you're going against the house which is super fun because you're just playing the house i know greg you put in a parlay earlier i did yep and i uh, went with derrick henry to stay under his rushing yard prop which i guess is always kind of asking for punishment but I went with Derrick Henry against Indianapolis uh, in a game that we'll certainly discuss more uh, in detail. But I took his under on 109 and a half rushing yards and Josh Allen over 294 and a half passing yards for Buffalo. So that's my play uh, two leg parlay. Uh, and if you are interested Use the promo code full slate for $5 in free betcha bucks and a first deposit match of up to $50. Uh, again, I've been having fun just kind of scrolling through and getting to the bottom of what I liked and what they offer. And, and they have literally everything. So Alex mentioned his big hit um, and, uh, you know, go ahead and enjoy uh, all the offerings that they have over there. Uh, especially if you're a DFS 
or a fantasy guy like Alex mentioned, probably the perfect market that they're catering to there. So let's get into the NFL week eight rotation as we look at the Thursday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers as it is a six and a half point line in the desert uh, for Arizona as we look at this Thursday night game. And obviously the big news is Devontae Adams earlier in the week was ruled out for the game with uh, being in the COVID-19 protocol for Green Bay. Alan Lazard also put on the COVID-19 list. So Green Bay down a few weapons. Obviously, Adams, the big news here. And so we, when we look at this number, though, I think that's the interesting thing from our standpoint is we see Green Bay now out to a six-and-a-half-point dog. And certainly if you got out in front of it and liked Arizona early in the week and late three, you're sitting pretty right now and you probably are just going to sit back and at least I would enjoy my closing line value and hope to cash a ticket. Total in this game is 50. Um, Alex, I think it's a tricky handicap right now as far as the side, because I don't think you can just get there with Arizona at this price range. I think it's a little expensive. Not running to back Green Bay either. Uh, you're going to do one of those uh, same game parlays that was it FanDuel offers those and uh, tell us what you're on here. Yeah, I grabbed uh, Cards money line and DeAndre Hopkins any sound touchdown. It was plus 155 on DraftKings. The only concern I have is that. Hopkins did not practice today, so that obviously is a big concern. I was considering backing the cards. Their defense has been really good. They're first in points allowed per game. They only give up 16.3. Also fourth in total yards allowed per game. And then they're fifth in sacks per game. With 2.7. And this Green Bay offense, they can get rattled by a good pass rush. I know we saw J.J. Watt. He's going to be out for the game. But Chandler Jones is coming back. And he had that incredible first game with four sacks. I really lean the Cardinals here. I I don't think you can take the Packers. I know this line is getting bet up especially with Adams out. You said Lazard's out. It's like we said on Sunday that three and a half felt fishy, but obviously we thought that Adams was going to play. And the Cardinals' defense is just very strong, surprisingly. They've had 14 turnovers already compared to last year which is just very impressive. But then you look at Rodgers with two games without Adams. He's thrown 610 yards, seven touchdowns, and the Packers scored 67 points in those two games. 
So how much is Adams really factoring into this offense? I think that's kind of my point about how now it's getting expensive if you want to back Arizona. And sidewise, it's hard not to look at Green Bay from my perspective. But I do think that if you're the Packers and you mentioned Rodgers having some good numbers against opposing defenses without Devontae Adams – Rather than just pick your Packers receiver that you think would get the stats in the absence of both Devontae Adams, excuse me, and Alan Lazard, I kind of like playing some Green Bay Packer running back props because neither Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon did anything on the ground last week against Washington. And you would think that if Matt LaFleur is smart then the plan is going to be to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers that you do have. And Aaron Jones is their best one. So I don't think they want to take the ball out of Rogers hands either. So we talked about how Aaron Jones on his over receiving yards prop might be an interesting play here. And I also am going to look at some of the AJ Dillon stuff that's out there just on the basis that again, while he wasn't super involved last week and didn't have much of a, a game, he was a second-round pick just a year ago in 2020 by Green Bay, and he's somebody that you thoroughly expect will be utilized in this offense. We obviously saw Jamal Williams have a 10-touch-a-week role thereabout before he departed and went to Detroit. So I think that A.J. Dillon could be a guy whose prop numbers are a little bit suppressed off of a bad game last week when he was basically a non-factor. But I think the Aaron Jones receiving yards over prop is an interesting way to break down the Green Bay offense down. Yeah, I was I was thinking still having Rodgers out there. So Aaron Aaron Jones, anytime touchdown, I'm looking at DraftKings. Aaron Jones, anytime touchdown, is minus 120. I feel like if he's not scoring, then then who is? Unless you want to look at... Right, I mean, Rodgers has shown the ability to get the rushing touchdowns, but I'm with you. I think Aaron Jones, at almost standard juice, is a good bet to find pay dirt. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm I'm probably going to play that. Minus 120... Anytime touchdown, it feels a little juicy because he normally you'll get you'll get plus money on most plays, but if he's not scoring, then I don't I don't think the Packers are scoring. So let's keep things moving and go to Western New York, where we have a battle of AFC East rivals with the Miami Dolphins making the trip up to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are a hefty favorite in this one, and it's really no surprise of 13.5. Total is 49.5. And, and Alex, this is more of a spot play than anything else for me. Um, good coaches like Sean McDermott off a of bye are coaches you generally trust. And even though Sean Payton just uh, did not cover coming out of a bye, uh, we saw the Saints pick up a, uh, a win earlier in NFL Week 7 off a bye, although not as good for Kyle Shanahan off the bye in primetime Sunday Night Football. We'll get to him a little bit later. McDermott coming off the bye. 
and Buffalo coming off a loss prior to the bye. We talked a lot about this in our opening line spaces conversation on Sunday. Uh, it seems like Buffalo just unleashes the dogs and uh, blows out the Miami Dolphins here. It's a division opponent. And I know the Dolphins are not a very good division opponent at the moment. This isn't Buffalo and New England and the Bills trying to send a message after years of losing to Brady and Belichick. So I get that. Having said that, I still think division game off of a loss, off of a bye. The Bills are set up in a great situational spot at home to blow the doors off Miami, a Miami team that, you know, Last couple weeks has kind of fallen on hard times. They lose at the buzzer against Jacksonville in London, lose at the buzzer at home against Atlanta. I think there's a Dolphins team that is on the precipice of just tapping out for the season. Uh, and it's, it's not looking good for Tua and Brian Flores. All the key important pieces for the Dolphins, I feel like, are very much in limbo when it comes to their futures. And so that's not a team I want any piece of right now. I think the Bills situationally set up pretty well here. I don't do it often in the NFL, but I'll lay the 13 and a half. Definitely think it's important to try and get that hook and not get 14 uh, as we that number could certainly land here. Uh, but I'll take the Bills minus the big number. Yeah, I completely agree. We, we see the Buffalo defense are first in the NFL and points a lot per game at 16.3. They're, they're tied with the Arizona Cardinals, surprisingly. But then you see the Dolphins' offense. They're 29th in the NFL. They only score 18.1 points per game. Tua, he looked great on that last drive to score a touchdown. But He's also throwing some really bad interceptions, which we've seen. And I think the Bills' defense might eat him alive. And like you were saying, divisional game at home, they're going to have their foot on the gas. I I think the Bills easily cover this number. So some agreement there on a divisional game in the AFC East. Divisional game in the NFC South that is a little harder, I think, to handicap is the Carolina Panthers going to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And we're seeing the Atlanta Falcons, a three-point favorite in this game, a total of 46. The reason that I say that with a little bit of surprise in my tone of voice is because a month ago, if you would have said you can, the Atlanta Falcons are going to be three-point home chalk against the Carolina Panthers – I would have thought you were crazy, and yet I don't want to say we have two teams going in opposite directions because while Carolina has been ice cold, I'm not sure that it's fair to say that Atlanta is already scorching hot, although the Falcons have won back-to-back games. It was the Jets prior to a bye, and then it was the lowly Miami Dolphins in a game that they did not cover, Uh, but I will certainly take any Falcons wins I can get. I was a big Arthur Smith believer who was my favorite coaching hire of the first-year coaches in this round of hires for the NFL. And the Falcons are up to 3-3. Three and three. It feels like Kyle Pitts has arrived. And, you know, they're just an offense that I think is slowly but surely 
uh, looking more and more like Arthur Smith had envisioned. And, uh, you know, that's with Calvin Ridley last week not doing much of anything against Miami. Kind of think Calvin Ridley is due for a breakout pretty soon. We've talked about the impact of no J.C. Horn for the Carolina secondary. So I say all this to bring up that I don't think this game is one that you can really look at with any type of betting interest on the side. Total-wise, you could talk me into going over at 46, primarily based on the fact that I do think Atlanta's offense is finding its groove a little bit more, and Atlanta's defense just gave up 28 to the Miami Dolphins. So defense has been a problem with the Falcons for years, I feel like. But it's an ugly game. This is definitely corner TV at the bar potential in the early window, right? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. This is a hard pass for me. I, ever since the Panthers lost J.C. Horn, this defense just seems like they're falling apart. You, usually I would say fade Matt Ryan, especially getting three. You know, you, you can consider him like a pretty solid game manager at this point. I just I can't bet the Carolina Panthers anymore. Sam Darnold is just, he's bad. And you might see the backup coming. P.J. Walker of XFL fame. Yeah, I would definitely pass. The total would be more interesting because the Panthers can't seem to stop anyone right now. So I would lean over. Daniel Jones just put up 20-some points on him. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be a pass for me overall. Well, if this game doesn't have corner TV at the bar game potential, then the next one certainly does, is it's the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. Eagles are a a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Even as an Eagles fan, I'm throwing up over those words being said. Total of 48. Uh, You know, Alex, the only thing keeping me off Detroit here, and it is enough for me to stay away, is the fact that Detroit has been a couple times now, at least in our kind of educated guesses, we'll say, a pretty trendy dog going back to a divisional game in Chicago against the Bears and a game against Cincinnati when the Bengals were in a little bit of a sandwich spot having, uh, you know, the – Ravens on deck and I'm drawing a blank as to who Cincinnati beat prior to beating Detroit, but it was a pretty clear sandwich game for Cincinnati and they went to Detroit and won the game and won it going away. You know, so we've seen the Lions in this role as short underdogs a couple of times and they just haven't played well at all. And so I'm getting the sense that you want the Lions as they're they're not going to be actually there'll be a worthwhile investment at a big number. They ended up pushing. Maybe if you got a good number week one against San Francisco, you would have cashed if you plugged your nose on Detroit in week one. Uh, they covered a game pretty convincingly uh, as far as the ATS margin is concerned with a game against Minnesota in which the Vikings won on a walk-off field goal. And uh, Lions also covered, speaking of walk-off field goals, against Baltimore, where they were a big home dog 
and it was the walk-off field goal from Justin Tucker. So I just don't know if I trust Detroit in the more winnable games in a weird way. Like it almost feels like they're less trustworthy against worse teams than they are, as I said, against some of those teams that they covered in that they were bigger underdogs against. So I'm going to stay away from this game. I do think if you like Detroit, just bet them on the money line. I think that if Detroit covers this time, they're going to win the game outright. And it's not going to be one where the points really come into play. So that would be my gambling advice here. And I also would lean under the total because the Eagles have just been a train wreck, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And the defense has been very leaky and allowing quite a bit of soft completions underneath and things like that. So it's just leans. I'm not going to play this game. It's maybe the worst game in the window, in the early window, but I got to watch it as an Eagles fan. So not <laughs> good, good luck watching this. I, I hope it doesn't pop up on red zone. I think, I think Nick Sirianni, we've said this a couple of times. He's, he's definitely a one and done coach. He's, he's going to be gone after this season. Like, at least Dan Campbell fires up these troops. You know, the lines are it's just such a roller coaster. They're up and down. They're they're playing really hard. We like the lines against the Bengals and then they just didn't even fucking show up at and all. And you know, Alex, another point about the Dan Campbell stuff, like we know and why I do agree that it's far more likely that Sirianni is let go at the end of the year than Campbell. We know that Jared Goff is just a patchwork quarterback for Detroit, and the whole reason they traded for him was to get all that draft capital that they got. Oh yeah, they fans. took on his they took on his salary too. So, so that's Eagles, how you kind of know they're still guy. trying to evaluate if Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. And so I don't think you can just say, "All right, Nick Sirianni, we're going to bring you back and bring Jalen Hurts back." I think one of those two is probably on the way out the way this season has gone so far. Well, for the and, and it's not it's not Jalen Hurts. He's like one of the better. I know this isn't a great metric, but fantasy, he's one yeah. of the better fantasy yeah. quarterbacks in the entire NFL. But, oh, the third I, I best quarterback. Think, and, and, you know, it's a weak quarterback draft. The Eagles do have three first round picks. Well, I don't, don't, don't it, sleep on Kenny Pickett. Yeah, hell yeah, they, your guy for the Pitt Panthers. He's looking good. Yeah, he's actually looking really good. <laughs> I don't I, – the Eagles, I, I can just speak to it because of how many holes I watch on their defense. And I think they need to just use their draft picks on – The linebackers, are, you couldn't name a – Oh, it's terrible. I, know, I couldn't. You could name a you, – you probably could, but I couldn't name a single Eagles linebacker. Alex Single. And the secondary is fucking shit. It's, it's – very bad and i think that you need to build up a roster around a quarterback to get a true evaluation of what you have at the quarterback position and you know outside of devonta smith who's a rookie they don't have much of anything at receiver so i just think that uh there's not really you know they could package the draft picks and try and get a veteran maybe they try and get in on the aaron Rodgers sweepstakes but i think if you're the eagles you gotta try hurts again with a new coach in 2022 and that's the more likely path. Whereas the Lions, as you said, there's a lot of fight grit under Campbell. There's a foundation you could argue being laid there, despite the fact that they haven't won a game. He's calling fake punts. No, and I, I completely agree with the with the Hurts yeah. talk. Like you have to pair him with an actual like offensive mind. Right. 
which I guess Sirianni is, but to come out and say that Gardner Minshew is looking good in practice, like what are you even yeah, fucking like, talking about? Like, why would you even say that? Backup, yeah. He's nothing. Why? Why would you even say that and kind of you know put these thoughts in your starting quarterback's head? Like it's just it just shows the dysfunction. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And and again, I, I just think that with Detroit, there's a little more of a foundation being laid, which is why I'd lean to that side. I think the Lions that locker Yeah, I think room, I think you have to take you have to take the Lions and, and three in the hook. Oh, so you would take the points. See, I just think I, the Lions I would if I had to they'd win. Okay. I I definitely agree there. I, I think I was so bad both, in this short dog role before. It's just like one of those things where if you think the Lions they're gonna break win the through, game. they're going to yeah. win the game. Right. Like, is this not like the game they win? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just feel safer when you see the hook. You see the hook. You know how often games yeah. land three. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Like the, the Lions are not good enough. Like Goff is not good. He's not it. But they should they should win this game. The Lions, that is. I I expect them to, and I'll just be looking at my giraffe pick standing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Come, and come Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz is racking up. Hey, the, the Eagles got the Dolphins pick are, too, so exactly. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so let's keep things moving. Enough with the Eagles and uh, go to a far more entertaining game in the early window. With the Indianapolis Colts, speaking of Carson Wentz, he's a one-point home favorite against the Tennessee Titans, total of 51.5 in this one at Lucas Oil Stadium. It'll be the final regular season meeting between these two teams, so that further amplifies the need for Indianapolis to win this one if the Colts are to make a run at the AFC South crown. A sweep at the hands of the Titans would not do themselves any favors. That's part of the reason I like Indy here. I also just think this line's telling you something. You see Indy minus one. I think you're going to get a lot of people that gravitate towards Tennessee because what have the Titans done the last two weeks? Kick the shit out of the Chiefs, beat the Bills on Monday Night Football, and here they are as a one-point road dog against a still sub-500 Indianapolis team. That almost feels too good to be true. Gotta be Colts when you think of it that way. Wentz playing a lot better. Offense is clicking right now for Indianapolis. So if the, even if they were to have to win a shootout here, which might be the case, I think they can do that this time around against Tennessee when they played them in Nashville about a month ago. Different story. So I think the Colts trending in the right direction and they're primed. This is a pro Colts handicap and obviously not an anti Titans handicap. Um, and, you know, take nothing away from what they've done the last two weeks. But if the odds makers were so impressed, then Tennessee would be the ones favored here. So, uh, you know, Kansas City is a little bit of a mess in its own right right now. And, you know, Buffalo, I mean, the game went down to the bitter end and the defense for Tennessee made a big stop. So, again, give the Titans credit. But I think the Colts are primed to make a bit of a statement here. I think they win the game by a touchdown and we're coming away thinking, oh, you know what? There's going to be a good race between these two teams in the second half of the year, even though they won't play each other again. Colts minus one for me. Got to like it. 
Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I grabbed the Colts actually at minus 105 on the money line before this line flipped. I'm, I'm curious why this did flip. It makes me kind of worried. I, I saw the Titans open as favorites, and now they're point and a half dogs. I'm seeing on DraftKings. Initially, they opened as one and a half point favorites. So I'm I'm kind of concerned why this happened. but the past couple of weeks, Carson Wentz has been absolutely incredible. It's uh, no one's talking about it. I mean, he's thrown for a thousand yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. And that's against San Francisco and Baltimore. And now he gets Tennessee. Right, which is one of the, not worst, but one of the bottom tier secondaries in the NFL. This is one of my betcha plays of the day. I know I'm going against you. I, I'm taking Henry over 109.5 rushing yards, and then I'm taking Wentz over 245.5 passing yards. This is a play. It's 50 to win 75. Titans are not a good set. They're also very banged up in the secondary. I really like Wentz here. But then the Colts, they're 14th in the NFL, which is, you know, middle of the road. But they allow 111 rushing yards per game. I think the Titans are going to want to muck it up and just run the ball a lot here. I can't imagine them letting Tannehill really air it out. I think Henry's going to have a big day, but I think the Colts are going to ultimately win this game. I really like what I've seen from Carson Wentz. He's been really good over the last couple of weeks. So. And that is why I ultimately think if the Colts win the game, they probably have the lead most of the way, and the game flow might not be as good for Henry. And, you know, it's no secret whether your run defense is good or not. If you're going to beat Tennessee, you got to minimize the Derrick Henry chunk gains. So I'm at least somewhat optimistic, even though it's not a very good run defense for Indianapolis. Uh, again, I think this is just all about the statement that they can make here and everybody wearing the blue and the horseshoe on their helmet really shows up here. So um, I think both sides of the ball get it done and the Colts win and, of course, cover. And that's my bet to play is to go under on Derrick Henry rushing yards, 109 and a half, tied with Josh Allen, as I said, going over his passing yards prop. Um, so that is my bet to play as we uh, bring out the new sponsor here on Full Slate. Let's keep things moving and continue in the early window. We still got uh, quite a bit of early window action to go through. Let's start in Houston, where the Texans are hosting the Los Angeles Rams. No surprise here, a big spread with the L.A. Rams land 14 and the hook, total of 47 and a half. Alex, you have not hesitated to back Houston as a big dog. You're doing it again here. I imagine you've looked into the status of Tyrod Taylor a little bit. Yeah, I looked uh I looked on their official website and they didn't list him practicing, but I kind of dived into their beat writers, which they showed videos of him practicing and I just really like this this Texan side getting fourteen, fourteen and a half, especially with 
Taylor, he's going to play. He's going to start. They already said that officially, but, you know, now it, it seems like he's running through drills. He looks healthy, but they were very close to beating the Browns before he got out. I really loved what I saw from Taylor. He looked good. And then he went out, but he had a great, I think it was a 15-yard rush for a touchdown. He just makes him way more dynamic than Mills, obviously. So I really like this number. I bet it last week thinking that Taylor might come back, and he obviously did not, and they looked you know, okay on defense and terrible on offense. But with Taylor, this is just a way different team when you have that rushing aspect with Taylor. And yeah, I really like the Texans this week. Yeah, and last thing on this game, we did see the Rams uh, struggle early on against Detroit last week. And I think the Rams in a little sleepy part of the schedule right now after going to Seattle and winning on Thursday night football in what would have been week five. They went cross country and blew out the Giants, covered the game. Then last week played the Detroit Lions, and we talked about that game being a slow start and the Lions ultimately getting the cover. Now it's the Texans before they get the Titans at home next week on Sunday night football. So that feels like more of the spot where the Rams, uh, you know, are fired up motivationally. There's no concerns. Maybe a bit of a look ahead. Maybe another sleepy game for the Rams here as well. And I agree wholeheartedly about the Sean Watson, or excuse me, Tyrod Taylor, uh, in the sense that uh, uh, clearly an upgrade from Davis Mills and, and a professional quarterback. And, you know, so often in these big spreads, we've talked about Teddy Bridgewater's ability to cover these numbers. Uh, and Teddy's mostly made his bread at the six to 10 point underdog range. So this is a little bigger of a line than that. But I think the same thing kind of goes into effect here. And maybe what you're counting on is just Tyrod Taylor to be a competent quarterback, to be able to move the ball and get the ball in the end zone twice, score 17, 20 points with a few field goals, maybe and that's going to get you the cover. Exactly. And we, we saw the, the Texans defense. They, they look pretty competitive through, you know, three or four quarters like last week. And I think if you have a competent quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, he's definitely a professional. No offense to Davis Mills, but that's, that's not a professional quarterback. <laughs> so you, you see Tyrod out there and – I think you can definitely keep this within the number. So let's go to an, another ugly game in the early windows. A lot of big numbers or like short numbers between games that no one wants to watch with Philly and Detroit and Carolina and Atlanta, namely that we already discussed. Well, here's another big number. Cincinnati, a 10 and a half point road favorite against the New York Jets. Total is 42 in this game at MetLife Stadium. And, you know, Alex, we talked about it, and ultimately it's not enough for me to play because I do think there's too much uncertainty with the New York quarterback situation at the moment with Zach Wilson not going to play, of course. But we said how if Wilson was playing, you know, I'd probably be betting the Jets here just based on the fact that you have a natural letdown spot for Cincinnati, which is why I would be leery 
to just go to the window and back the team that has its quarterback and fade the team with the backup quarterback, whether it's Mike White or Joe Flacco, whatever. Primarily because you have Cincinnati coming off of the biggest win that the Bengals have had in a long time, going to Baltimore, not just winning, but making a resounding statement in Charm City and winning the game 41-17. Maybe Cincinnati a little fat and happy here, and maybe the Bengals don't play their best and just, you know, it's a surprising close game for no reason. It it does feel like the the perfect spot, right? It does. feels like the perfect spot for the Jets. I I would lean with the Jets. But I just have no clue what's going on with this quarterback situation, and it's a terrible offense, even exactly. If even yeah, if it was Wilson, I would definitely lean that way. But I'm seeing ten and a half, ten. We just don't know who's quarterback, Mike White or Joe Flacco. Either of those are potential downgrades. I yeah, I just can't get there. It's a hard pass. I I can't imagine. This is definitely the end of the bar game. I can't I can't imagine anyone. It's the third time we're saying that in the early window. That's when you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's arguably a terrible slate, but it's better than last week. So that's good. Yeah, baby steps, I guess. Maybe the highlight of the early window is the battle in the AFC North between the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh returning from its bye week, having defeated Seattle, albeit not covering for our interests a couple weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. And here the Steelers are a three, three and a half point road dog going to Lake Erie to take on the Cleveland Browns. Total of 42 and a half. And speaking of quarterback uncertainty, well, Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, if you, you may not think it matters, Cleveland also coming out of a mini buy, having played on Thursday. So, you know, the out, good coach coming out of a buy thing, like I mentioned with Sean McDermott, maybe not as relevant with Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin, given that Kevin Stefanski, who is a pretty good coach in and of its in and of himself, has had more time to prepare. Having said that, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Pittsburgh here. And I we talked about it on our spaces. Shame on us. I got three. I don't know where you got it at. Just glad I still at least got three. But you have Pittsburgh in a clear vintage revenge spot after the Browns went to their barn in the playoffs and beat the Steelers at Heinz Field to eliminate Pittsburgh in what was a highly emotional win for Cleveland, not only being against a rival, but doing it in the postseason for their first playoff win in God knows how long. I forget off the top of my head how long it was, but it was a long time. Let's just say that there were plenty of children that had never seen the Cleveland Browns win a playoff game. So that was a monumental win for the Cleveland Browns franchise. And now I think the Steelers can extract ever so slight revenge here uh, and, you know, move closer to Cleveland in the AFC North standings uh, coming out of a bye too, I think maybe helps their offense uh, rejuvenate itself a little bit. Obviously it's been kind of the same check down short passing game stuff. And maybe they're able to incorporate a trick play or two coming out of the bye that would get a big play here, big play there. Uh, and last point, from a motivational edge, Mike Tomlin this week dealing with all the USC 
bullshit that he had to deal with. Uh, I think yeah, he shut that down so quick. I think he would be so fired up to go to Cleveland and win a big divisional game and just say, you know, because he was mad that the question doesn't get asked to Sean Payton or to Andy Reid or other real proven NFL coaches. Big week coming from Mike Tomlin, too. I think the Steelers probably win the game outright, but I take the points in a division game. Probably goes down to the wire either way. Nonetheless, Pittsburgh, the clear side for me. Absolutely. I'm grab the Steelers at plus three, but I saw it move a little bit again. So I was like, I saw it. And you think that, that by the way, is just some people expecting Baker Mayfield to play? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. Something to the line. Yeah. I would argue that Baker Mayfield injured is, I knew he's going to, he's going to play. He's going to force himself on the field, but I think that's worse for Cleveland, like an injured Baker is not better than. In other words, you disagree with money coming in on Baker Mayfield potentially playing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope he plays that. That's why we bet it early. We, we thought this was kind of going to go lower. I, I thought this was going to go down to two and a half. I didn't think it was going to go the other way. My double down. I think this series are the, definitely the right side here. With the points, I I think they'll probably win outright. Big Ben, he's twenty three two and one lifetime against the Browns, and then you see all these Browns injury reports. You see Baker, Chubb, Odell, Shredder, Conklin. They were all limited in practice today on Wednesday. I think that's huge. Jarvis Landry didn't practice. I would be more concerned about the offensive line if I was betting the Browns. I really hope this is bigger. TJ Watt is just going to get yeah. home early <laughs> and often. And Baker was an early quarter defensive injury. coach like Mike Tomlin is going to come after Baker Mayfield here. Absolutely. You have to, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely the Steelers spot. This is a hundred percent game. They win. You know, everyone has given up on them. And And you know what? They are three. three. I'm sure they're saying let's get a divisional win and we're right in this thing. Uh, So I agree. It is a Steelers or pass game in this AFC North grudge match, as it should be, as it always is, as we like them. So Steelers and Browns on Lake Erie. Let's head a little bit more to the west of of Cleveland and head to the Windy City, where the Chicago Bears final game in the rotation in the early afternoon window. Bears number 266 in the rotation, welcoming in the San Francisco 49ers. And we're seeing the Bears, a four-point home dog. How about this total? 39 and a half. And I am not going to make a case to go over. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't, run, don't run to the window to take the over. Yeah, I mean, Whoa. you know, Garoppolo has had his plenty of problems uh, for San Francisco. And obviously, Justin Fields and the Bears just can't get a first down sometimes. So having said that, 
you like the home dog here? Is this just a uh, – are we out on Kyle Shanahan? I mentioned it to you before we jumped on. A Bill Barnwell tweeted this out. Shanahan, a worse NFL career win percentage than Chip Kelly, who obviously is long out of the NFL. So I don't know if there's anything to read into that because we know that Shanahan has fallen on hard times with you know the Garoppolo injury the one year. And last year, I think he had just about everybody known to man on injured reserve. But at a certain point, I do think it's fair to question because Shanahan has just kind of coasted by without ever really being in any danger of getting fired whatsoever in his years he's missed the playoffs. Sooner or later, we got to start wondering about Kyle Shanahan, and I think the answer is sooner rather than later. So I need to see the 49ers do it first for me to think that they are back or even close to it, which I don't think we're going to see here on the road. Soldier Field. You like are we sure he's a good coach? Yeah, I I lean the Bears for sure. Are are we sure Shanahan is a good coach? That's what he's, I'm saying. Like he's it, terrible it, as a favorite. Hard to sell as these losses pile up. Like he was a offensive guru, but he's he's eight twenty and two against the spread as a favorite. I'm just not sure he's that good of a coach. Like obviously he's in a bad spot with two pretty mediocre quarterbacks. Obviously, Jimmy G is not really the answer. And then Trey Lance looked very mediocre. I think this is a perfect buy-low spot on the Bears. I think this is good time to take them as a home underdog. They're probably going to cover the spread. I, I could see them winning outright. My only concern is just Matt fucking Nagy. Are we sure? Like, he's not a yeah. good coach either. Talk like, about coaches on the hot seat. Yeah, these might be two of the hottest seats in the NFL. These yeah, two. It is crazy how the mighty have fallen on the Kyle Shanahan front of him. He's in the Super Bowl two years ago. But he really, since that Super Bowl appearance, He's kind of just coasted off of the fact that he got there. Last I think year. he's kind of living on that, right? He's, right. He oh, no doubt about shit. it. And at what point does that rent run out? Like, I, I, we'll see. I'm not but sure. <laughs> I don't, I'm not I don't sure. Any point of San Francisco laying four on the road right now. So nah, I feel way too high. I think it's Bears or pass. We've seen the Bears defense. Like, are we. Out on the Bears, they beat the Bengals. By the way, beat the Raiders. Alex, it's interesting. We Bengals talked on our spaces about the defensive special teams touchdown prop. I don't know what this number will be at on the yes/no. Will there be a defensive special teams touchdown prop? But I could certainly see a D special teams touchdown with these two quarterbacks and how prone they've been to turnovers. Uh, I. I'm just saying, I think there could be a defense. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we, I don't hate that play. I'm sure the the yes is always heavily plus money. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. so you could definitely get a good number on that. So yeah, let's go I, to the Pacific Northwest where the Seattle Seahawks are back home after losing but covering on Monday Night Football against the Saints. It's a much easier order you would think for 
Seattle in week number eight as they welcome in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Urban Meyer and company are a three, three and a half point road dog. It looks like total 43 and a half. I, not much interest here, Alex, but I do think uh, that Seattle at this price, even though you're, you're and I'm not going to lay points with Geno Smith. Backup quarterback, I like. I need getting points. I need them just keeping me in the game. Winning the game's a different story. Having said that, I do think Jacksonville had a bye. They got their first wins. They finally ended that long losing streak that dated back to last Urban, year. Urban Meyer got that was horny out of his system, so exactly. he's actually trying to coach in football. In a weird now. way, now we're not talking about the Jags at all. And when we're not talking about the Jags, that's because they're irrelevant. So I think that here you get a Seahawks team that's fallen on hard times with a couple of close losses in prime time. I think the Jags are popping up on the schedule at the perfect time for Seattle. Uh, But I won't lay three with Geno Smith. So I'll stay away, but I guess lean Seattle. Yeah, no way I can play anything here. I, I saw Jags three and a half, which was quite tempting, but I don't I don't see how you could play either side here. These are both two very bad teams. And yeah, <laughs> I, I could I could definitely stay away and never watch either of these teams. I, play I, I was gonna say, well, let's just keep moving and go to the next game then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. The New England Patriots going to SoFi Stadium to take on the LA Chargers. And we're seeing the Chargers a five-point home favorite. Total in this game is sitting at 49. And I am a little frustrated that I didn't get six with New England because I talked about them as a lean for me when the number opened against the Chargers on our Spaces conversation on Sunday night. Uh, which, by the way, if you're interested in joining, Alex always fires that up shortly after Sunday Night Football. Every We talk opening lines. This one I liked at six, didn't play it. It is at five. I do think you can – five is kind of a dead number. I think you can still play New England because my big thing – I mean, one thing that I, I certainly have no problem owning my bad takes and what I get wrong, but one thing that I backed uh, last week and it turned out to be true was that I thought New England was close, and I thought that there was a breakthrough coming for the Patriots. When you look at some of the games they lost – a bad Belichick decision in the Brady return game against Tampa. Had he not kicked that field goal, go for it on fourth and three. If they get the first down, more clock runs. They get closer for Folk, probably win that game. Uh, Losing overtime against Dallas, you know. So Dallas and Tampa Bay, which may be the NFC championship game for all we know. The Patriots were right there against those two teams. And, yeah, there's been some unimpressive games from Belichick's squad as well. But when you see the offense, and I know it's the Jets, and it feels like you just have to always say it's the Jets and move on when you talk about anybody doing something well against the Jets. But the whole yeah, offense, I think you have to throw those throw those games up. Yeah, to an extent, I agree. My premise, I think, stands that New England is Fair. close, turning the corner. Wouldn't be surprised if New England hovered in, in wild card conversation. Most of the second half of the year getting five against the Chargers. It is the Chargers coming out of a bye. Uh, 
Brandon Staley going against Bill Belichick. You wonder a little bit. The first-year coach who's gotten plenty of love. He's the midseason favorite probably for coach of the year. Um, is he ready to go up against the greatest coach of all time? I think the chess match might be heavily in favor of the underdog as well. New England, plus the points for me on the road against the Chargers. Yeah, I agree here. I think it's Patriots or pass, unfortunately. I don't love the side. My dumb brain just tells me, you know, just bet Justin Herbert as an under, you know, six-point favorite. But you look at it, and the Chargers are the worst rushing defense in the entire NFL. They give up 162.5 yards on the ground per game. And, and that's, that's a good really point. What I should have brought that up. Patriots want to do, if, right? If you think that there's a lot of noise in that box score for New England last week and you're not buying their explosion against the Jets, fine. But look at the games that they've been in and been competitive in and won prior to the Jets game last week. It's because they run the ball well and they ask less of Mac Jones. Absolutely. And I think that's the entire game plan here. You have to run well against the Chargers. And keep Herbert on the sideline. But my only concern is that the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, and that's that's not a good football team. It was week one. I Weird things happen. Your Steelers beat throw, the Throw Bills. it out the window. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Steelers beat the fucking Bills. Best yeah. team in the good NFL point. probably right now. Good point. So, so we see a, a run-heavy team against literally the worst rushing defense in the NFL. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely side with you on the Patriots. I think that's the only move here. Couple more games in the late window, and then we'll get to the prime timers to finish up. The Washington football team going to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Broncos. Couple of teams in disarray as the football team is a three-point road dog. Denver coming off of that mini buy, having played on Thursday night last week in Cleveland, total of forty-four. Uh, I don't really like a side in this game because I just, as I said, I, I can't get a read on where either one of these teams is going. Washington been one of, if not the biggest disappointment league wide coming off of a year in which it won the division and, you know, was looking to ascend, not just in the NFC East, cause they were already atop the division, but in the NFC and the NFL, there was, uh, you know, a defense that had so much hype and it was kind of like, okay, if the Re- Washington almost said Redskins can take the next step, then, you know, we can not just say they're a product of the bad NFC East, but here we are halfway through the season almost. And it looking very clear that Washington last season was nothing more than a product of the bad NFC East. So yeah, that was also with, with Dak Prescott out, so I think right, exactly. Dallas, Dallas would have like, ran away. More than anything else, right? Washington has regressed this year, this season, and they absolutely. Don't and what what is team. that? It's it's the same players. Are yeah, we, I can't really explain. They the upgraded as bad as thin. I mean, they upgraded. They invested. They upgraded in the defense, right? Right. They spent a first round pick on Jamin Davis. They brought in William Jackson third. And it and the defense is worse. But they, St. Just was a what third round pick, so yeah. So and I honestly, 
I like Washington plus three. I I feel like the defense kind of turned a corner. Yeah, but see, a little bit. I wanted to bring up on Denver why I'd be hesitant to back Washington. Jerry Judy is due back here for the Broncos. So you beginning of the year, we're talking about Denver as, you know, the, you know, well, Teddy's in there now and he's got some weapons to get the ball to like he had in Carolina last year. And then Judy goes down. Well, now Judy's back. I, I don't know. I, I don't like this side. It, it It's honestly, it's terrifying, but also are we ready to back Teddy as a favorite? Three oh, points, right. Like, I think right now I, Denver, they were Denver's like the Carolina of the AFC where they won three <laughs> games out of the gate right against garbage opponents. And now they're back right. down to earth. Right. And then they played actually decent point opponents minus the Steelers. And, and yet Carolina is a three point dog against Atlanta and Denver's a three point favorite. So I get your point. Uh, Washington, they held Green Bay to. 24 points last week. Granted, that might be because Green Bay kind of took their foot off the gas, but that's the only second time this but year that they've been. It's funny you say that, but you like the over in this game. I do, because I don't. I don't trust the Denver defense. I, Von Miller got a little shaken up and didn't come back, and I just think. I think Carolina is kind of woeful, and I really don't trust Vic Fangio at all. I I think Washington's going to actually score on their red zone attempts. I mean, that was absolutely fucking abysmal. See Taylor and I, and I think that's probably the strongest point to the over is that Washington just could not get the ball over the goal line last week, but they got down in the red zone plenty. Oh, my God. They, they were down there every time red zone came on and they just did not score. And Green Bay was the worst red zone defense in the NFL. Literally, they gave up 15 of 15 touchdowns before they faced Washington. And then Washington's down there the entire game and they don't score. So I think that's kind of a little bit of regression I, I could definitely see this being a shootout. I, I could see uh, Washington winning this game. Maybe 28 27, 28 24, something like that. Close game. I think Washington wins outright and the over hits. I, I really like the over more than I like the Washington side. Yeah, I, I would probably agree that I'd like the over more than either side. I just don't have a feel much sidewise on this one. Let's go to the final game in the late afternoon window where it's Tampa Bay, rotation number 273, traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Total of 50 in this game. Tampa Bay, five-and-a-half-point road favorite. And if you've listened to me enough on these podcasts, you know the next two words that are coming out of my mouth after I say Jameis Winston Alex, why don't you finish it off? <laughs> Jameis Winston throws pick six, or Jameis Winston can copy the spread. You're just toying with me now. James <laughs> Go ahead. James Winston stinks. James Winston revenge game. I'm all about the revenge oh, games. Oh fucking Christ! You're right on this podcast. And You're right. I I go. forgot that angle. You forgot. We do it every week. 
but I'm all about finding a revenge game angle. Jared Goff, <laughs> if you bet the Lions, you covered last week against the Rams. And here we go. Remember with that, that Corey Davis? Corey Davis revenge Corey angle Davis against, against the Titans? Titans. And, yep. Yep. Yeah. One out, right? I'm just saying. Yep. You know, so <laughs> Patrick Peterson, that was one for me early in the year against that Arizona. Was, that was. Minnesota cover. Minnesota let's, against Arizona. Yeah. Let's keep the revenge game trend rolling. <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, though, I, I I do think that I mean it's a huge game for Jameis Winston. He was kicked to the curb by Tampa Bay, and watch Tampa Bay again. I know it was Tom Brady, but watch Tampa Bay win the Super Bowl the first year without him. So he goes to New Orleans in. What really ended up being a great landing spot for Jameis Winston? I'm not just saying that because he's a starting quarterback now, but it was a nice, comfortable environment with a proven head coach in Sean Payton and a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. And he goes there for a year, learns under Brees, sits back, watches the game. And now he's in with the New Orleans team. And I don't want to say too many nice things about Jameis Winston because it's still Jameis Winston, but... They go to New Orleans or they go to Seattle last week and they grind out a win. And here are the Saints now in a position in the NFC South to make some noise. And, you know, if they win this game, which I don't think is impossible to think that they could win this game. Antonio Brown on a crutch in practice this week might not play again for Tampa Bay. If New Orleans is to pull the upset here, well, then the Saints are inching very close towards Tampa Bay atop the NFC South. So I look at New Orleans and say, well, that defense, again, is legit. Demario Davis was all over the field on Monday Night Football against Seattle. Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, did, he, did he make every single tackle? Oh, he was everywhere. I mean, it was. was just, every time I looked up, he was making a, a tackle. And, In the and backfield. So, you have Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. I'm pretty sure Lattimore has been excellent in his career against Mike Evans. I'm, I kind of remember hearing some stuff about that when they uh, uh, battled against each other. It, I think it was last season uh, the, before one of their battles. Uh, I, I saw it on Twitter. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, but um, yeah, and, and then you look at you look at the Tampa Bay secondary. They're 23rd in the NFL. They allow 264 passing yards a game. And that's after playing the Bears, who are absolutely abysmal at throwing the ball. So you would think this is a good spot for Jameis to to sling it. And Yeah, so here is the last stat, game. Way, with Mike yeah. Evans, Marshawn Lattimore. This is uh, updated for last year's games, too, because I had a feeling that I heard this last year, and now it's updated. Marshawn Lattimore was a first-round draft pick for New Orleans in the 2017 draft. Uh, Evans was a first-round draft pick for Tampa in 2014. From 2014 to 2016, in games between Tampa and New Orleans, uh, Mike Evans averaged 4.6 receptions per game. From 2017 on, so obviously these are all head-to-head games, Tampa and New Orleans. From 2017 on, in head-to-head games, Tampa and New Orleans, Mike Evans is down 1.7 receptions per game to 2.9 receptions per game with Lattimore. So he's basically three catches per game 
with Lattimore and close to five per game without him. So it doesn't sound like much because it's just two catches, but on a per game basis, that's, uh, you know, given that they play twice a year, that those catches start to add up that Lattimore has been able to limit Evans with and uh, kind of reducing his big plays. I mentioned Antonio Brown probably not going to play again. I really like the spot here for New Orleans to really make a big statement and prove that the post Drew Brees era is going better than people thought it would be going a couple weeks ago. I mean, the Saints, again, it's not flashy backing New Orleans for any stretch of the imagination, but I think they can get it done here. I like the it's weird saying better defense, but I do think right now New Orleans has the better defense. The reason I spent so much time on Lattimore is because the Bucks secondary has just been a train wreck, and they certainly don't have anybody of Lattimore's caliber back there. So I like New Orleans getting the points at home. Absolutely. Doesn't this feel like just a fishy line? Like, why Why would they lay it five and a half, five? Why is it not like six, six and a half to get yeah, people to run? Yeah, we just saw Tampa 38-3. Demolish. Yeah, and then we saw we – saw the Saints come out with just one of the, their way to a win, right? Yeah, just an embarrassing performance. Like, just limp their way into a win. Like you're saying, the Bucks just demolished, demolished the Bears. Like, why is this line only five, five and a half? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not the odds maker, so I can't really answer that one. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it makes me like the Saints. You're with more. me on the Saints. A divisional home oh, dog absolutely. too. I mean, we always like that. Yeah, and I think home field is definitely out of the window. But I think if there's anyone to consider, it's definitely it's the Superdome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think this is one of the better home field advantages that actually still exists in the NFL. So. I definitely, I love the, I love the Saints in this spot. Who that? Plus five and a half <laughs> for both of us. Let's go to the primetime game. Speaking of home fields, Minnesota has been a sneaky home field under Mike Zimmer, and the Vikings are a one and a half point home dog, total of 55 against the Dallas Cowboys. And also, Alex, you mentioned fishy lines. This might be one of the fishiest lines of the week with Dallas. Dallas and Minnesota both coming out of buys here, which is why I kind of I like betting on offenses out of buys, thinking that you come up with some more stuff and some more quirks and trick plays and things of that nature. But this total at 55 was just too high. Primetime game to primetime overs. I just hate I just hate how public they get. So uh, having said that, um, I I can't bet this side like it's just so fishy to me seeing Dallas at this short of a price range against a very mediocre Minnesota team. I mean, the Vikings are three and three. They had a win in overtime before their bye week against Carolina. And we talked about how Carolina just overall the last month has been terrible. You know, they survived against Detroit for one of their wins. The one impressive win that the Vikings have is against Seattle with Russell Wilson. They shut out the Seahawks in the second half in a 31 17 win. So credit to them for that one. But in close games, we've seen them. I mentioned the overtime win against Carolina. That Detroit game, the fact that it's close against Detroit should tell you something. Then you look at the fact that they botched a close game against Arizona with a missed field goal, botched a game in overtime against Cincinnati in week one. Like I, the Vikings just don't seem like a team that I want in close games right now. And 
Dallas, you know, somehow, even though I don't think Mike McCarthy can coach in these close games, they win on a walk-off field goal against the Chargers. Mike McCarthy's the the worst coach in the NFL, right? Right, but they're winning these close games. Maybe And they're covering. You know, they're covering. They win and cover last week in overtime against New England. So I can't play this side just because this line feels really fishy. With Dallas, maybe, you know, people talking about Dallas, and I don't even think it's totally unwarranted as the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, possibly, against just a very boring and mundane Minnesota team, and it's one, one and a half. Like, you're going to play it, and good luck to you, but I can't. Yeah, I think this is just plug your nose. This is the trappiest game of the week, easily. Yeah, I'm just going to plug my nose. I'm going to play Dallas. I I really trust their defense. They're first in the NFL in interceptions per game. It's 1.8. And plus 1.2 in ter- turnover margin. So they're not really turning the ball over, and they're getting the ball back. This By the way, I mentioned Patrick Peterson a few minutes ago. He's not going to play for the Vikings here. He's on IR. It's a Viking secondary that's not very good anyway, so there should be a lot of areas in the Minnesota secondary for C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper to exploit here. Yeah, so that might be a good player prop to exploit here on Thatcher, uh, our favorite. Oh, DFS I see what player. you did there. Yeah, so maybe play that, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna lay with the Cowboys. I I can't trust Kirk Cousins and. In prime time, he's he's bound to throw a late interception. I I think the Cowboys are a way better offense than the Vikings are in offense. Yeah, I'm not I mean, so I, on this Vikings defense. I I know they lead the league in sacks, which is kind of that is surprising. crazy. I do think to back up your point about the offenses, I don't know if way better because I do think. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen's a pretty good one-two punch at receiver. And Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, you're splitting hairs. But I'm certainly taking Dak Prescott over Kirk Cousins. I'm definitely taking the Dallas offensive line over the Minnesota offensive line. So I still give Dallas the edge on offense. And down Peterson, I think you probably have to give Dallas a slight edge on defense. And so where are the advantages for Minnesota? It's like maybe on the sideline, like Mike Zimmer's a better coach than Mike McCarthy, but... Yeah, I honestly think that's my biggest worry is that just Zimmer as a home dog. That that would be my only concern here. Yeah, and they were were in this exact price range against Seattle when they had that very impressive 31-17 win in week three. But, of course, then I went back to them at plus two at home against Cleveland the next week, and they burned me. So. Yeah, you got absolutely smashed. So it's yeah. it's tough to tell like where is this Zimmer defense getting up? Right, exactly. So I definitely can't back Minnesota, but it's just a fishy enough line for me to stay away. Alex is on the Cowboys. Let's stay in the NFC East for the Monday night football game as the New York Giants travel to Arrowhead Stadium. Looks like this number has ticked down. We talked about the Giants being a like for us at plus 10 on our spaces conversation in the opening line report last week. Total is 52 and a half. And certainly nothing yet, Alex, as we record in the wee hours here on a Thursday morning now. Nothing yet of note on Patrick Mahomes and how he's doing. So, you know, 
the fact that there's nothing makes you think he'll probably clear the concussion protocol. It's probably going to be able to go. Uh, I say nothing yet because I guess Monday night football game, the teams practice everything gets pushed back a day. So right. while a lot of teams start yeah, practicing. That was such a brutal hit on Mahomes. Right. So and they, they, and they said he could. They said he cleared it on the sidelines, which I would be shocked. And we talked about it on our spaces that even if he cleared it, it's hard to really trust that he's at 100 percent here. And Kansas City has just has so many problems covering point spreads with Mahomes at full health. And so you're getting Danny Dimes in his traditional heavy road underdog spot. We like that. We saw the Giants against a Carolina team who we thought had a good defense score 25 or whatever it was last week and win the game going away. If the giants can score 25 at home against the Panthers, I think they can score that same amount against the chiefs. Like that's not asking much. I don't think. And so then you're talking about just really holding the chiefs under five touchdowns. And, and you know, if, if I can get the same offensive output from the giants, I'm going to be able to cover this big number. Giants plus 10, I, I just think there's no way you can feel good about back in Kansas City right now at this steep of a price. They're just paying a Kansas City premium that's always going to be there with Mahomes and the Chiefs. And obviously they're going to cover some games, but they were terrible last week. Against <laughs> it, it also ha- it hasn't happened in like a fucking year. Didn't see covering and spreading. Their, their secondary is just so bad. I I love well, Dane Downs on the road. This year against Philadelphia and Washington, but I don't remember the last spread they covered at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, they they also didn't give up a single punt against Philadelphia. If, if you were a competent yeah, coach, that's what I'm like, saying. Like, like if Dimes can get 25 defense. against, I guess there was a safety in that game for them against Carolina, but if he can get in the mid-20s against Carolina, then he should be able to at least get that same number. Yeah, we have a, we have a Chiefs. Chiefs secondary, they're 26th in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game. I, I think Danny Dimes can can really chip away at this at this team. I, I think 10 is way too many points. I, I think this number, it could go up, especially because we're talking Monday Night Football. And how good their defense has been? Well, Danny Dimes went into the Superdome and won outright. Like, it doesn't make any sense, but, like, he just does it in these spots that don't make sense. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I like Danny Dimes on the road a lot. This Giants scene doesn't make much sense. I'm sure fans are screaming to fire Gettleman, but Danny Dimes on the road is just a spot we have to kind of hit, especially against this Chiefs defense and we don't trust them at all to cover you know what i could kind of see the giants like we're talking about how it doesn't really make sense like i think a world exists in which the giants limp to like a seven and ten season and they bring gettleman and judge back where it's just like nothing really looks great but they're not a tire fire and so right, they talk themselves into been, one more year with Hasn't kind of been Danny Dimes' entire career? Right. Jones, like, like, that's why there's that okay. weird stat about how he's such a good right. bet on the road and a horrible bet at home. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and that kind of keeps 
Gettleman's job, Judge's job. Because when they go on the road and they're big underdogs, last year they won at Seattle. That wasn't even with Danny Dimes. Colt McCoy was a quarterback. Oh, my God. I remember that. That's these weird things that happen with a bad Giants team when you want to plug. They're the ultimate plug your nose team. Like, it's just like. Oh, absolutely. You just. Especially, I mean, this game at 10, nine and a half. You have to plug in just. You have to just take it on the road. And the Chiefs can't. They're not covering against anyone. So you just kind of have to plug in and take it. Consensus play on the New York football Giants to wrap things up for our NFL week. Podcast. Hey, all tickets cash the same. So let's hope <laughs> we get there with some prime time action on the G Men. Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. Manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. My name is Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Alex, let's enjoy our weekend full of whatever Halloween beverage of choice <laughs> and. Yeah, buddy. Enjoy your Penn State Nittany Lions probably getting their ass kicked at the horseshoe and enjoy it. Do you not think they're going to cover 18 and a half? Is it that high? Holy crap. It is. Wow. Wow. Well, we'll definitely (laughs) go through it. We're planning on getting Bill Christie on here for some college football. Yes, you are. You guys can listen. Alex, always fun, my guy. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, buddy. Talk to you later. All righty. There he is, Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. As I said, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Enjoy Week 8 in the NFL. Enjoy the World Series as it shifts to the ATL. And, of course, please play responsibly.